We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 through 12. So let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we just come before you, Lord. We just thank you so much, Lord, for this opportunity, Lord, that we can meet and dive into your word deeper, Lord, to grow, to um, allow you just to minister to our hearts so that we can be used of you, Lord. We want to represent you to the world around us, Lord, wherever we're at, whatever that looks like for each one of these ladies, Lord. Just thank you for every lady that you brought out this morning. And I just pray that you would meet them where they're at, God, and that you would minister to their hearts. Father, I pray that... um, you would just bless anybody who's still coming out and um, that you would give them safe travels. And anybody who's sick and can't be here today, Lord, I just pray a special blessing over them, Lord, that you would heal their bodies, Father. And again, we just thank you for this morning and look forward to um, diving into your word, Lord. Please give me the gift of teaching. And if there's anything that you don't want me to say, then I pray, Lord, that you would remove that from my speech. But God, I just pray um, that your word would go forth. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. So we're just going to go ahead and read over the text first, and then we'll just dissect each scripture separately. So chapter 2, verse 1 of 1 Peter says, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God, and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. So, because chapter 2, verse 1 starts with therefore, you know what that means. We have to go back a little bit just to gain our context. So Peter closed chapter 1 of his epistle by saying we should love one another fervently because we are members of the same family, the body of Christ. Just as we were all conceived by the incomfortable word of God as newborn babes, we are to continue in the word of God. So we're going to go back to chapter 1 of 1 Peter, starting in verse 22 through 25. It says, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit and sincere love of, of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, 
which lives and abides forever because all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man as a flower of the grass. The grass withers and its flowers fall away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is a word which by the gospel was preached to you. So now that we have the context, let's go into verse 1. And it says, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking as newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow by there, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. So here, Peter exhorts us to lay aside all malice. And malice is defined as a bad desire or a desire to do bad things to another person. An example of this would be to seek revenge or maybe find delight in ruining somebody else's reputation. Um, He urges us to lay aside all deceit, which is concealment or distortion of the truth for the purpose of misleading. He calls us to lay aside hypocrisy, which is the practice of claiming to have moral standards or beliefs to which one's own behavior does not conform. He wants us to lay aside envy, which is a feeling of discontentment or resentful longing aroused by someone else's possessions, qualities, or even luck. This is also um, jealousy. And we're to lay aside all evil speaking, which is ill will speaking, such as gossip. We are to be as newborn babes, desiring the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. And desire, I look that up, it means a longing or a craving as for something that brings satisfaction or enjoyment. So how many of you are moms in here? A lot of you? Okay. So as moms, we know that babies crave milk, right? They crave milk at 2 a.m. in the morning when we're trying to get some sleep. They crave milk in the grocery store, at a restaurant, maybe while you're trying to do your study for today. Maybe some of you have a newborn baby. I don't know. But... We know that babies want milk and they have to have it. And not only do they want it, but they must have it. They need milk to grow, right? Peter says we're to be the same way. He doesn't say if we're newborn babes or when we're newborn babes, but we're to continue all of our days as newborn babes, craving the sincere milk of the word. And that's how we grow as a Christian. But he doesn't say that we're going to remain infants, right? So as we're desiring and craving the, the milk of the word, That's how we should crave for it. But as we're going through the sanctification process, we're going to grow and pretty soon we'll be eating the meat of the word and we're going to long for it more and more. But first we have to lay aside these things because they can hinder our craving for the word of God. So I have a story for you really quick and I have some photos that we're going to, Shelly's going to put up. But I just wanted to share the story because I thought it was very applicable. So over this summer, my husband and I, we took our kids to Park City, Utah on a road trip this past July. And one of the things that we did while we were there is we visited a dairy farm and we thought it'd be really educational for the kids. And we thought that afterwards we could all have ice cream because there's a creamery and you could get ice cream or you could have fresh milk, you could get cheese curds or whatever. It was just really neat. So we're like, okay, this will be great. It's educational. And then we'll come back and we'll enjoy some ice cream. So that was the whole point of the trip. We wanted some fresh ice cream. Well, um, this is us. We are on, we had to take a hay ride to get to the farm. And so it's pretty far, like from where the creamery was. We, so we had to ride a little tractor and a hay ride. So we did that. And then on the way to what they call the cow spa, 
um, we got to stop and see some baby cows, and they were just so cute. They were so cute. There were so many of them, and we could, and they're friendly. And you can go up to them. Next picture. There's my son Andon, and then we have, let's see, Riley, and let's see if there's any more. Oh, that's me again. I was kissing the cows. They were so cute. Okay, another one. And in again, I should have one of Liam. Let's see. There he is. And then we'll go to one more. Okay, so this is the cow spa. And in the cow spa, the reason they call it that is they found that cows produce way more milk when they're happy and content. So this was crazy. They could they could go out to the pasture if they wanted to, but they, these cows did not want to go out to the pasture. They were happy in this barn, and they could eat whenever they wanted. They had these back scratchers, so you would just see cows up against the back scratcher. And then they had these computers where the cow would just, whenever it needed to release its milk or want to be milked, thank you, um, they would go and into this um, little stall at its own wheel, and then this machine would hook up and just milk the cow. And you could see how... Like it would, the computer would tell you how much it's milked, how much longer it has, and all these things. And then the farmer had a Fitbit, and it would tell him, it, it would give him notifications if a cow was being lazy or didn't eat, or it, it was just very high-tech, right? Well, the, the reason I'm telling you this story is because, next picture. Oh, that's the cow spa as well, but one more picture. This picture here. I don't know if you can see. I wish it was a better picture, but we're kind of down underneath. So the cows are up above, and you could actually get underneath and see the cows being milked, and I thought that was really neat. Now, mind you, there's a group of about 20 people. We're doing this tour, and my husband just is like, oh my gosh, Bridget, you have to see this. And he's pointing, and so I get up underneath, and I'm looking, and all of a sudden, the cow just pooped. And it, and it splattered all up in my face, in my mouth. It was gross. And all I could think about is wanting to leave, right? And everyone's ooing and aahing, like, oh, gross. And I'm like, yeah, that's gross. So I was like licking my shirt and trying to get it out of my mouth. And anyways, the reason I'm telling you this is because if there's anything that would ruin your appetite for ice cream, it's cow pies in your mouth. I'm just saying. All I could think about is, no, I got it. we got to go back to the condo get showered, get cleaned up, and then we can think about ice cream. But didn't want to be that, you know, I didn't want to ruin the trip, so I let them get their ice cream, and then we went home or whatever. But the reason I'm telling you that is because when people stop reading or studying the word, it's because they're eating the junk food or the cow pies of this world, so to speak. And that's why Peter says, first lay aside the junk, and then you will desire the pure milk of the word. So I thought that was pretty applicable, but we'll move on. <laughs> so verse four, continuing on, it says, coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God, by God and precious. You also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Peter says, not only are we children in the same family, but we are stones in the same building. Ladies, we're living stones. Notice he doesn't say dead stones. One of the most interesting verses that I came across was 1 Kings 6-7. You might want to jot that one down. But it's talking about Solomon's temple. And this verse says, And the temple, when it was being built, was built with stone finished at the quarry, 
so that no hammer or chisel or any iron tool was heard in the temple while it was being built. So as living stones, one commentary stated that the precious stone was pre-cut at the quarry for its proper fit in the temple building. So no tool was heard at the temple itself. This required a high degree of skill in measuring, cutting, and fitting the immense stones into place. All the chiseling, hammering, and cutting was done underneath the old city of Jerusalem when the stones were taken to the temple mount. They could be fit together in silence. So ladies, we're being fit together for an eternal temple in heaven. Have you ever stopped to ponder, ponder that we are being shaped for eternity? This life is like a quarry, and as living stones, we are being smoothed down so he can build us up into a temple for his glory. At times, this can be a painful process. He sometimes puts us with people and in situations he knows will shape us most effectively. And are we allowing him to shape our lives? Or are we trying to fix and wiggle our way out of where he wants us to be? I know sometimes I try to fix things, and then he ends up putting me into another fix so that he could fix the original fix he was trying to fix in me in the first place. But in Ephesians 2.10, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. He's the master builder of our lives. And I was thinking about how, you know, people pay a lot of money for paintings and things like that. How many of you know who Bob Ross is? Yes, I love Bob Ross. And one of his sayings is, we don't make mistakes, we just have happy accidents. And so, you know, we are going to make mistakes, but God uses it for his good. We know Romans 8:28 says he works all things together for the good to those who are called according to his purpose. So um, just keep in mind that he's got the rain, he's got the paintbrush, so to speak, and you can't get out of his hands. So now let's talk about what it means to be a holy priesthood back in verse 5. So holy means to be set apart. And a holy priesthood is to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So holy also means being consecrated to God. And unlike the Old Testament priesthood, in which only those who are born into a certain tribe could be priests, all who are reborn into God's family, that is all believers. So if you're a believer, you are a priest. Uh, so we have the privilege and responsibility of offering spiritual sacrifices to God. Romans 12, 1 and 2, if you want to turn there or jot it down, um, says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And then Hebrews thirteen fifteen through 6. Okay, verse 15 of chapter 13. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But do not forget to do good and to share, for with such sacrifice, God is well pleased. All right, so moving on to 1 Peter 2, 6. It says, Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. So Jesus is the foundation stone from which the placement of all other stones in the spiritual house is determined. In ancient buildings... 
The cornerstone was first situated on the foundation and then all the other stones were aligned to it. So Jesus is our cornerstone. Um, in 1 Peter 2, 7, Therefore to you who believe, he is precious, but to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders reject, rejected has become the chief cornerstone. So rejected suggests that unbelievers, after examining Jesus to see if he meets their needs, declared him to be useless or undesirable. You know, you often heard them say in the Bible, like, how can this peasant or this carpenter, how can he be the Messiah? You know, they rejected him. Um, verse 8 says, And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, they stumble being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. So stone of stumbling and rock of offense, unbelievers, because they do not follow God's word, find Jesus to be repugnant, an obstacle in their way, and a cause for disapproval and anger. So I often think of them being in the darkness, they're stumbling, right? They can't see, so they are stumbling around in the darkness, and they prefer it that way. But, verse 9, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So, back in Exodus 19.6, we see how Israel was a chosen people. God used Moses to speak to the people. And in verse 6, he says, And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And these are the words which you will speak to the children of Israel. He was talking to Moses there. So what was the purpose of a priest? A priest was someone who needed to represent Christ to the people, right? So here in Peter, God calls us a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation. We are set apart for the purpose of representing Christ to others. A lot of times we think this is a sole responsibility, sole responsibility of the pastor, right? When we hear the word priest, we think, oh, that's his job. He, he's the priest. He should be um, leading the people. But really, in actuality, we're called priests to be in our, a priest in our workplace, our schools, grocery store, neighborhood. Husbands are called to be the priests of the home. We have many more opportunities um, at times to share the gospel with others than our pastor does. We have access to more places. Matthew 28 says that we are, go to, we are to go therefore um, and make disciples of all the nations. And then I want you to also keep in mind that in the tabernacle, the main building, when you first walk in, you would enter the holy place. And then you had the Holy of Holies, and then you had the Ark of the Covenant where the priest was only allowed to go, how many times? Once a year, right? So what if the priest just one day said, I, I think I'm just going to go to the Holy Holies and um, just kick back and hang out with God. What would happen to him? He would die, right? And I, wonder, I was wondering, why, why couldn't he go once a day or once a week, once a month? Why was it just once a year? And at, when I looked into it more, it was because of his sin, right? He had to prepare himself before coming to the throne of, uh, throne of God. So he had to offer up sacrifices for his own sins, and then he had to offer up sacrifices for the people. So when Jesus died on the cross, remember what happened? The veil was torn, right? From top to bottom. So there used to be a veil that separated the holy place from the holy of holies. And as long as the veil was up, no one could come into the presence of God. 
So when Jesus died, what does that symbolize? What does that represent? Right? We can come boldly, Peter says in Hebrews 4.16, let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So that is great mercy, that there's no longer that barrier, that we can come directly to God and his throne, and he hears us. Verses 11 and 12, and we'll finish it up. Beloved, I beg you, as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. So Peter reminds believers that this life is not our home. Thank you, Lord. We are just passing through, right? And abstain means to hold away from one's person. We must distance ourselves from our own self-indulgent urges. He talks about the flesh warring against the spirit. So again, he started first one on what we should be laying aside. And here he's talking again to abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. And that's what it is. It's a war. How many of you, we all have that struggle of the flesh versus the spirit, right? And it's the one that you feed. That's the one that's going to grow. So if you're feeding the flesh and those things, gossip, deceit, envy, this all spoke to me, by the way. But if you're doing those things and that's what you're feeding, then that's what's going to grow. But if you are seeking and desiring the things of God, and you're feeding the spirit, then that side of you is going to grow. Pastor Jim touched on Titus 3, 1 through 8 this past Sunday, and I just thought it was very fitting. So if you guys want to turn, that real, turn there real quick. It says, Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men, for we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Through the washing of generation and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly, through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by His grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying, and these things I want to affirm, affirm constantly, that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. So we see in these verses how He has great mercy for us. And First Peter, in our, one of our last verses, he t- talks about that in verse 10. It says, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. So grace is getting what we don't deserve, and mercy is not getting what we do deserve. So he's had great mercy on us, right? And so um, with that, I had one more story just to share about a friend, and this will kind of tie up our last verse, how it says that that they may, by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. So, um, and two, I just wanted to share that when Claudia asked me to talk, I, I said, you know, I prayed about it, and then I said yes, and then I, I got part of my study done. It was a part of how he's shaping our lives and things like that. And then I called her, and I was in tears. I've had a really rough month. And I thought, well, I just wanted to go and share about this. I didn't want to actually have to go through it. But it's painful to have to 
you know, have him shape our lives, but how are we letting him use it for his glory, you know? So um, I was meeting with a friend. We're kind of both going through the same situation at work. And um, this friend I worked with, I don't, I've never told her I was a Christian or anything like that. We just worked together. But we had met for coffee um, just to discuss some of the things that were happening. And she was very upset. She couldn't just believe some of the things that were going on. And, and she was so mad that she started cussing you know, right in front of me. And immediately she stopped and she's like, oh, Bridget, I'm so sorry. I did not mean to offend you. And I was thinking, you know, I did what we probably all would do. I was just, oh no, it's okay. But really I got to thinking about it. I never shared with her I was a Christian. How did she know? And I think, you know, it's right here. He says, you've been called out of darkness and into his marvelous light. So when you have the light of Christ, people are watching your lives, even if you don't, you don't think it. And she knew, she saw the light. And so immediately, you know, she felt convicted. So that's what lightness does, right? It exposes the darkness. And so I think that's all I wanted to touch on. The last thing was back in verse 7. I don't think I mentioned. It says, therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. And I just really wanted to, um, in case any of you are wondering, so I just want to let you know, too, that sometimes that's not enough just to believe in Christ. Belief has action behind it. Are you trusting in Christ? Because we know that even the demons believe in Jesus. But are you allowing him to shape your life? And are you representing Christ to others? Is there action behind your belief? So that's the last and final exhortation that I had for you. And with that, we'll just go ahead and close in prayer. And then we can break off into our groups. So Father God, again, I just come before you. And I just thank you so much for your word, Lord, that um, it's able to cut to our hearts, Lord, and um, Lord, that you are working on each one of us, Lord. Thank you that even though it's painful sometimes, Lord, with the hammering and the chiseling that you, you do, Lord, it's all for your glory and to bring you glory. So, Father, may we um, just be humble and may we just be obedient to what you're calling us to do in each of our lives. And Father, I just pray that you bless our time as we break into groups, Lord, that it would be fruitful, God, that you would guide our discussion, Father, that we can dive deeper. Um, I know this is a lot to cover, but Father, now we can just dig deeper, Lord. And I just pray that each lady would feel led to share and they they would be emboldened as they go out, Lord, into their communities, their workplaces, Lord. They would shine for you, Father. Just thank you again for this day and for all that you give to us, Lord. You're so good. You're so merciful. We love you. In Jesus' name. Amen.